0: Hi friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, She Casts Episode 40. And I am here with two great friends, Matt Statman and Anna Byberg, and I'm super excited and I'm going to be honest, friends, I've been working on them for a really long time since like, I don't know, November when I started this podcast, and it's finally happening. So I'm really thrilled. And I met Matt initially through friends at U of M and then I, then he introduced us, I think at some recovery event. Um, so I met Anna at that time and then we had a lovely chat at Sparrow because I started doing like a monthly meditation at this recovery center here in Ann Arbor. So I'm going to turn it over to them. Welcome you both.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you. To hear, to hear that sounds so funny like we're in studio we're not
1: <laughs> we're in our living
0: room totally we're still i'm still very low budget y'all so it's humility right um so i just want to have them introduce themselves in their own words so who wants to start you go ahead? sure
1: um, my name is anna and i'm a social worker i live in ann arbor i'm a gardener I am the program coordinator at the Dawn Farm Sparrow Recovery Center, and I absolutely love my job. Um, I'm an aunt. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. Ants are good. Ants are great. Right.
2: I great. saw that you posted something about ants. Totally. Yeah. I was it, going to
0: send it to Anna, and I forgot. Yeah, it's so good. We'll talk about that maybe a little I'm later. I'm Matt,
2: ago. and uh, I am the Collegiate Recovery Program Manager at University of Michigan, um, I'm also vegan, that's very important to me. Um, I have dogs, I live in Ann Arbor. I, um, I'm in recovery and I'm happy to be talking here.
0: That's awesome. How long have you been in recovery, Matt?
2: So February 18th, 2002 was the first day of the rest of my
0: life. That's awesome. Yeah. So 15 years you just celebrated yeah, a couple years. months ago. Yeah. Congratulations, Thank you. such a big deal. So many of you know that I have, I don't even want to call them causes because I feel like it cheapens it, but like parts of my soul that are touched and passionate about. And so recovery is definitely one of them, which is how I kind of ended up with the two of them. So we were talking, Anna, and I think it was like shortly either before the election or after the election. I don't remember.
1: Yeah, we were talking about the way it's framed uh in our culture that religious people vote. Sure. And so what sort of what religious values um how those direct how people vote and that kind of thing. Yep. And the perception that a lot of religious people vote conservatively or vote republican and there's a lot of reasons for that and it's super complicated. So like I yes. don't want to open up a can of worms sure. that is bananas for people. But it just got me thinking about, I mean, I identify as a liberal person and it got me thinking about the things that I do on a daily basis and the things that are important to me and I work with people who a lot of times are uh, very disenfranchised right now um, as a result of their addiction and so people who have been living homeless, people who have very strange relationships with their um, primary support systems, with their family members, people who are estranged from their children, people who've been out of the workforce for a while, people who've really been ravaged by an illness. Sure. And I think about the things that we try to do for them, and, and a lot of them, that is like helping people get healthy. And helping people get healthy is really holistic to me. Yeah. So it's also helping people find joy in their life, helping people find meaning and purpose, and things like as concrete as like literally feeding people who are hungry, and housing people who are homeless, and clothing people who have no clothing. Sometimes people come in with very little material possession. And I was thinking, like, those are things... And I grew up in a religious family, or I, I, like, went to... um, I was confirmed just baptized, things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think about, like... I mean, it sounds so cheesy almost, but, like, things that literally we learned about Jesus doing, And those are things that like I aspire to do and that I I do do in a lot of ways on a daily basis and I'm a very liberal person and those things around election time really felt so disharmony in such disharmony with each other that um, how you vote and how you act like it didn't match up for me yeah and it was we were just talking about that it creates some dissonance and some some questioning about like why culturally do we perceive those things linked in that way
0: absolutely well when we were talking about that it actually made me emotional because I do see so many good people like you two are a prime example of that and just how connected you are to the community and how you bring other people in right so one of the reasons I feel like I'm probably more connected to the community is because I got connected with you all early on and I kind of started to sow roots and started to really care about who was around me not that i didn't care about who was around me in las vegas or la but i think because i was internally more grounded things shifted for me too and just what we do for one another and like community and you two are a really great example of community um, because you are doing those things but you're not talking about it like you're talking about it because we're <laughs> recording this podcast but you just go about your business and you just do what's there to do you know and I feel like that is what Christ did you know if you believe that and you may not you might just believe he's a great man you may not believe that at all either but one thing that I see or what I sense is that when he was around um In a physical manifestation he did what was in front of him to do and religious leaders question that you know and sometimes i feel not that i'm likening myself there either but that sometimes i've been questioned myself in terms of faith perspective like people who believe something different than i do have questioned me about my own faith because i do tend to be more liberal and more progressive i would say in my political leanings and people have started to hear that more since the election so what were you thinking matt as soon as <laughs> when the results and the yeah, returns were coming in
2: i was distraught even though i wasn't incredibly surprised um but for me the election um help, it really helped me look at some things um, about the way that I interact with the world sure. um, and um, part of what I realized was that I was lulled into this sense of um, complacency because I love Obama not I didn't love everything that totally. Obama did but I That's fair. him and I mm-hmm. think he's got a lot of integrity he's a good guy that kind of thing which I don't think about our current administration and um, but you know for me um a big part of sort of the second part of my recovery has been figuring out what my values are and trying to live more in accordance with those values. Sure. When I first got sober, and I, mean, I spent my whole life being whoever I needed to be at the moment to get what I thought, to get my needs met, and my needs involved a lot of drugs. Sure. And so I'd never really developmentally sort of was able to take a look at what my values were. I mean, I knew some, I had some values, but I never was able to adhere to those values when push came to shove. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I had never really examined sort of what I believed about the world and how I could be that person. And so part of recovery is doing that. A big part of recovery is doing yeah. that for me. And then this happened. And, um, and I spent a lot of time in early recovery working on my internal condition and trying to figure out how to adapt to the world, adapt to reality mm-hmm. in ways that didn't make me want to, like, self-destruct sure. or kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, and That's then, important. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and then um, you know, the election happened and it really started, I, it opened up this thing for me, which was that I cannot be okay in my own skin and not do something about this even if I can't change it sure. like, even if the work that I do is in the end meaningless I still have to do the work Yeah. and that has been I think the biggest thing for me And and you know that's recovery to me yeah. too it's like I do I do what I think is right and then I accept the results that happen um don't have to like them but yeah. deal with them and then continue pushing forward
0: totally yeah a couple of things you brought up about values but i'll we'll put a pin in that and come back to that um i think that's life though right like you do what's in front of you to do whether like without even having an attachment to what happens from there and when i People come to me about education, and they talk about that, and I said, you know what I was able to do? I finished something I started, and that's really the bottom line. You may not get a job with a bachelor's degree. You may have to go back for a master's or a PhD or a professional degree, right? Or you may get a master's and still not get a job, which was the case for me, you know, when the Michigan economy tanked, when was it, 2006? Like, it Mm -hmm. started to collapse, and then it kind of extended, and that's how I ended up in Las Vegas. So... Kind of reorienting yourself and adjusting to what is, is such a better place, and it's not always easy. Like it's just a bunch of surrenders to get there, yeah. and some work and talking to closed mouth friends and people that are invested in you, um, and your own spiritual and personal growth, um, and care more about that than like having you feel good about yourself. But I love where you talked about values because I interviewed a friend, David uh, Ratchford. Um, last year and he was talking about like alignment of values and then a a mutual friend uh, Erica Spiegelman she wrote a book called Rewired and it's about addiction and recovery and just how um, we get to whatever you're recovering from or from whatever you're recovering get to kind of pick what's important to you at that point Mm -hmm. like you brought up veganism you know and I have some friends that are amazing and they're also vegans and that is really important to their identity because it means so much more than just what they're putting in their mouth, right? Um, and it's, it is important to connect those dots because then we become more of who we're supposed to be and less of who we were at a former time in our life. And it doesn't mean that that's a bad thing, it's just growth, right? Right. Um, so what does activism look like for y'all?
1: Oh man, that's such a big question. So, I mean, I I agree with Matt. After the election, it was it was hard because I felt really uh motivated, it's not quite the right word. Mm-hmm. I felt really strongly like I should, like an obligation almost, yeah, to be doing more than what what we're doing and we, I, I feel like I already do a lot in my job Sure. and I do some volunteer work and I try to be active in things and I try, I mean, lots of different things. Mm-hmm. So like veganism is one part of it, but I really try to like shop local. Mm-hmm. I try to support businesses. I try to support my community as much as possible. We grow a lot of our own food. Like mm-hmm. we try, I try in every action to say like, is this action moving me closer to my ideal self so again that like their values clarification thing Mm -hmm. um i'm not perfect none of us are perfect am i getting closer to the person i want to be am i getting closer to like what that ideal person would look like um so that's some of it but there's like all this pressure almost to just be doing more and there's so many things that are important to me so i mean it runs the gamut like Re- welcoming refugees in, into our community mm-hmm. is super important to me. Women's rights are super important to me. LGBT rights are super important to me. There are lots of things that are, like, really, really critical and feel, um, and all felt, like, urgently necessary. Yeah. And so it's, like, a matter of how do you maintain that level of enthusiasm for something and that motivation and also not drive yourself totally bananas trying to figure sure. out how do you do a million things at one time. So I, I don't know what the answer to that is mm-hmm. yet. I try to, the. I mean, there's, like, the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none thing, mm-hmm. so I don't want to, like, dabble in so many things that, like, none of them am I really doing anything sure. that's meaningful in that thing. So I've just, I mean, where my home base is, is I work really hard on building community and building community of recovery and building a safe place for people in recovery. Yeah. And so I've been focused on that, and there's still so much more that I want to do. Yeah. So part of it is just trying to, like, keep it... In the conversation keep it on the radar keep dabbling i've gone to a bunch of different community meetings and activities in the past few months and just try to see like where is something where's a place that like i feel really passionate about that i have time and energy to, to adequately spend on that thing and that the skills and talents that i have are mm-hmm. like useful there and i also struggle i mean personally i'm super introverted I can Me go long too. periods of time without talking to another human being and be perfectly happy with that. So, and my job is, I'm a social worker, my job is talking all day long. So it's like, how do I also just maintain that self-care ba- balance, which again, sounds super cheesy, but really like, how do how do I get adequate downtime so that my battery is not totally. always burnt, you know?
0: So what is self-care for you? Like what... It's what just, kind of activities do you yeah. do if there are activities? But some people, that's not
1: kind of how they look at self-care. I mean, I really like to garden. We went to the gym today. Mm-hmm. Um, we have There's a group of people at work that run together on Sunday cool. mornings. We're the pig pack because mm-hmm. we're a farm. So it's mm-hmm. funny. It's funny. Um, <laughs> I like... Really, just like quiet. I just Mm -hmm. need quiet. So, some people like recharge by listening to music or listening to people like podcasts, listening to people Mm -hmm. talk. I'm like, I just need nothing. Like, there's nothing more energizing to me than just quiet. Awesome.
0: So, what about you, Matt? Either activism or self care or both. Yeah. So,
2: um, for me, the active, again, the recovery is a part of it. And um, I spent, a lot of my recovery, tr- so very important to me to be able to help other people. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think politics damage relationships mm-hmm. <laughs> and can make it hard. You know, if I want to help somebody and they are a Trump supporter and I'm a communist, um, we it might be harder for me to help. It might damage that relationship. And so I spent a lot of time in recovery not really being that vocal about my beliefs and I think people pick up on it you know and um one of the things about being vegan is I'm not a a vegan sort of evangelist Mm -hmm. but I'm not ashamed to talk about it and um and I know that in Anna's life it's been contagious like her people knowing she's vegan people around her start changing and um so so post election, I sort of made this decision that I'm not gonna worry about that as much, and I'm mm-hmm. gonna be more vocal about my beliefs and if people don't like that I'm not I mean I'm never I try not to be an ass you right know? like i I try to um, be loving to people who disagree with me completely sure and then um, and I think that. and of itself is like is part of it so i have lots of relationships with lots of people some Mm -hmm. of them are have different beliefs than me and um and it's okay for us to disagree still get along and and maybe talk about some of that stuff Mm -hmm. um and then it is just getting out and doing what you can do and knowing that there's it's you can never i mean this idea that you can never really be doing enough. There's always going to be more to do. Mm-hmm. And so giving myself permission to not be constantly engaged. And I and I have the privilege to... I'm well aware that I have the privilege to turn it off sometimes. Sure. And to not be guilty about that. Because when I can't take action, I do. You yeah. know. And that's another thing that sort of... Um, has been a balancing act. is figuring out, like, you know, I I couldn't. I mean, my activism could be sitting in my basement with my laptop, posting angry stuff <laughs> on Facebook all day. Right. And um, you know, I've actually had people say to me, "I'm really glad that you've been so vocal on on social media about some of this stuff because it's helped me feel more comfortable yeah. about being more." blah 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 but that's not the only thing I should be doing and um so it is getting out but not feeling guilty about yeah turning it off sometimes
0: totally so for you what does self-care look like
2: I mean a lot of it has to do with like 12-step meetings um, and the people who I mean there's the the meetings but there are the people who are a lot of my friends are most of my friends are involved in 12-step community and so it's you know, hanging out with them, and talking crap is a lot of what <laughs> do for self-care, you know, and, um, and it's, you know, and, um, but it's also, um, exercising, gardening, mm-hmm. I, I like to be outside, walking to work every day is important to me. You
0: walk um, to work every day? Yeah. Shut yeah. up.
2: Pretty Even in much, the winter? Pretty much around the year, yeah. Oh my the gosh. The only time I don't walk to work is if I need my car in the middle of the day, which I, despise trying to talk to <laughs> anyway know. but um it's so I walk to work 300 days a, I mean I don't know how many days I go to work but almost every day wow yeah and that
0: is so impressive to me there I'm back and, and you don't watch work is, every day do you
1: I watched twice this week but that's like my record of all time. <laughs> all <laughs> part of that is
2: um part of that is self-care and mm-hmm. like When I get to work in the morning after having walked for half an hour, I'm much in a much better space. Yeah. Um, And part of that is like I wake up every morning in this country, in this culture, and immediately I'm compromising my values by waking up in America. And so to drive my car more than I need to Mm -hmm. is not congruent with who I want to be. Sure. You know, and so that it's. Little
0: things like that are important to me. Awesome, yeah. No, it's it's funny that all three of us are introverts, and it's like, oh gosh, yeah,
1: people. We to talk. The activism thing is is I mean I really just think back to this like super old saying that politics is personal because everything we do every single day is political. Sure. Every time I spend money on anything, yeah. I'm voting for that thing that's every right. single day, and. The like after the election, it wasn't just that the person who I preferred to be the president of the United States yeah, wasn't no. the president. It wasn't about preference the person. at that point. Yeah. It was about the next day, people that I care about, people who are married to same gender partners, were like, "Am I gonna still be allowed to be married to my partner?" Yeah. And people who are people of color saying, "Am I safe in my in my community? Am I safe in right. my house? Am I safe in my neighborhood? If I leave my house, in my hijab, am I gonna be okay or sure. do I have to like not not act my religious freedom in this country that's so founded on religious freedom right. because somebody's gonna judge me for that in a way that is like physically threatening to sure. me. I mean that stuff was real yeah. and it still is real. And that is that's what's motivating about this. It's yeah. not just that there's some policy I don't like. I mean one of the biggest impacts on the clients that we work with in the past few years was Medicaid expansion in Michigan. Our clients went from almost exclusively, especially my clients at Sparrow, almost exclusively uninsured to almost exclusively covered under health in Michigan. And so that helps with access to addiction treatment. That's right. But that also helps with access to so many other essential physical health services. So when people, in mental health services, so when people need to go to the doctor, they can go. If people need to go to the ER, they're not like, oh man, maybe... I'll figure out how to stop the bleeding at my house right? because, like, that ambulance ride I'm going to be paying on for the rest of my life. Sure. And that was such a huge thing. And so all of these things that, like, are important to me on a daily basis... Mm -hmm. I mean, I work at a nonprofit. I work at an agency that gets public money. These things that are crucial to my daily... I mean, people I care about on a daily basis. I love these people. I love the people that I work with. I love people who were harmed by this election and so it's I mean it feels super personal to me it's not just about I didn't get my way I didn't win I mean I'll be a snowflake all day but it's not just about me having my feelings hurt it's about people that I care about being harmed by this decision
0: no it's so true I mean someone brought up a a point that's a valid point that things hadn't changed and I was like so in terms of you know, racism, it didn't, we didn't all of a sudden have racism on the 9th, Mm -hmm. right, of November. It existed on the 8th and before that. And I agree with their statement and at the same time I was like, yes, but things did change because people who held these views felt more emboldened by who was in the White House Mm -hmm. to express their views in a really tragic and harmful manner, right? And you mentioned the medicaid uh, expansion and one of the reasons that i started the podcast was because i got pissed (laughs) and i call it a righteous anger and i know that in some communities anger is not considered a good thing and i'm like well too bad because i got pissed and the reason i got pissed was exactly what you're talking about anna that this affects people's lives like this is not just policy change for policy change like people's lives are affected um i interviewed one of my friends who's a nigerian immigrant and she's an immigration attorney right Mm -hmm. and she came to this country i think at age 14 and she started college at 14 finished at 17 17 she started law school finished at 20 right so when all of this was going on she was at a yoga retreat and her phone was turned off she was unplugged she was self-caring and then the first travel ban the first iteration and I know that administ- this administration doesn't want to call it a travel ban, but I'm going to call it what it is and what they've called it themselves right and so all of these um immigrants and she lives in Alabama of all places um, you know came to her for solace and for advice and counsel in terms of what does this mean to me you know because these are people like my parents are Nigerian immigrants too, thankfully, twenty years ago or so, they became naturalized citizens so i, I the worry that I have for others is not the same, like for my parents, because they're okay. They're not going anywhere. Um, we're not going anywhere, we're American citizens. And I think about that and I never had really thought about it in the manner that I do today because I didn't have to, I mean, I too was lulled for eight years. Right. We had, uh, some people don't like him to be called an African-American, well, he is. He's biracial, you know what I mean? Like, but a man of color was in the in the White House. And even though I was um, active in Nevada, we turned Nevada blue in 2008. And so I was active in, um, you know, uh, campaigning and really being involved in that one, jumping fences and hanging door tags and calling people and getting my the door slammed in my face. Like, we were really active. I didn't really do much in 2012 because I was like, we're good. I voted, you know, (laughs) but that was the extent of my activism, if you will. Uh, And now it's just been such a different ballgame. But I feel like it's drawn a lot of us closer together. Yeah, where we're seeing things and I'm me personally, I'm sure y'all feel the same way. I'm looking at things in a different way. And I'm taking a look at my own privilege. And I'm taking a look at the things that I've taken for granted that maybe my fellows hadn't or the rest of the community hadn't, and I'm doing some more self reflection in, with the self care and in with the you know activism. I'm just seeing yeah. things a little bit, you know, differently. So, what led y'all to uh, veganism? Oh gosh,
1: um, I I haven't eaten meat since 1995. <laughs> So it's been a long time yeah and uh it's so cheesy i was 16 at the time and i was at pine knob Mm -hmm. and i think uh it was a pj harvey concert okay (laughs) and i'm dating myself and uh someone was wearing a meet Is murder Mm t-shirt and i was like and i don't know like my 16 year old brain partially developed whatever was just like oh my gosh meat is murder like it was just that simple for me mm-hmm. as it's like at that time mm-hmm. so uh, for whatever reason it just clicked and like that dissonance that it's so easy to create between what we're eating mm-hmm. what we're putting in our body sure. and where it came from yeah. which happens in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. it just like wasn't like suddenly that blinder that I, that I had for that just wasn't there anymore mm-hmm. and that was that and I haven't eaten meat since that day since that moment and then for the next more than a decade it was always trying to like get that to where i wanted it to be which was really like not eating any animal products at all and just back and forth about that infinitely Mm -hmm. like um it was really really hard for it to stick for me to like not eat any animal products at all and it helped when we did it together so that was like i don't even know now five years ago something like that
2: yeah i think it was I started working where I'm working so
1: cool
2: yeah for me the um it's hard for me when I think about because I haven't eaten animal well I haven't eaten meat since the late 80s probably. oh my gosh and um it's, <laughs> it's hard older. for me to I know <laughs> um, Matt's older friends <laughs> know what like how much of my story has evolved because of my I think not the act of not of being vegetarian or vegan makes you more compassionate mm-hmm. not by definition but just in sure it's a thing that happens I think and um, and I didn't start I don't think I became vegetarian because I was super compassionate I became vegetarian because I was on acid and there were, I had a lot of hippie friends and they were vegetarian and I remember one of the last times I ate meat, and maybe the last time I ate meat, I had been taking acid for days, and I um, was, I, I know that there was a lot of dissonance before, but I felt I could feel the meat in my body, and, mm-hmm. it, and it, it felt like bad karma to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and that was kind of what led me to vegetarianism, mm-hmm. that whole lifestyle, and then, um, over time, I started, I mean, I really started to develop this worldview where I, um, I feel like people are just another animal and we are mm-hmm. no more important than any of the other. Mm-hmm. Inherently, we have no more value to me and it, than my dogs do or than sure. a squirrel does, which I see carcasses all over the place. Mm-hmm. and, And, um, and so I think um, that is tr- that, <laughs> it's troubling to mm-hmm. live in, in, in this mm-hmm. culture. I mean, in some ways I have to ignore a lot of what I see going on around me in okay. order to be okay. Because um, it does, I mean when Anna says meat is murder, you know, if you think about the implications of that, mm-hmm. um, you could really...
0: Alienate
2: yourself. Sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: and food like religion, I think, can be very Mm -hmm. polarizing. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing, like, and I've seen some vegans that whatever they're selling, I'm uninterested in, right? Yeah. And then I've seen others that that's not the case. And I think the idea is to be able to be uh, open enough and non-judgmental enough even if you're slightly judging on the inside Mm. but create like conversation around it you know um because then people get a better sense it's just like when people of certain faiths like i see them and i'm like whatever it is you've got i'm not interested like that is not the weight of my heart, you know, <laughs> right? right? Um, and so it's just important to like how we represent and um, just mindfulness about yeah. that. But I always like some of my favorite people. It's like some of my favorite people are social workers, and some of my favorite people are vegans. And for me personally, like I have been on the end of like the most I've been as pescatarian. And because of health stuff, like, it really got bad where I I needed, you know. And the thing is, I don't want to say needed because that might not be factually correct.
1: Yeah.
0: I wasn't willing to do work to figure out an alternative. That's the truth, right? Um. And at the same time, it's like we pick and decide what – it's like it goes back to values, what
1: mm-hmm.
0: is important and what we can come – alongside one another on in terms of unity, but not in the cheesy unity that people are calling for right now. I think where it's like, just ignore everything that's happening around you. And like crosses are burning in front of people's houses and you know, (laughs) a black man, another one was murdered by, you know, the police and, or a citizen that is holding, standing their ground, but let's all get united and let's come together. Or this, you know, same sex couple is unable to, you know, People are targeting that, like, oh, but let's just all sing Kumbaya. Like, that is not legit <laughs> right. unity. And at the same time, we're not always going to see, you know, eye to eye on certain things. And sometimes it just takes the seed to get planted in whatever capacity, right, totally. over time.
1: I think uh, um, it's interesting that you brought up religion with this because I sometimes half-jokingly say that not eating meat is, might be in my most strongly held spiritual belief. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the closest to, like, formal religion totally. that I hold on to. And it's, like, it's kind of a joke, but it's also, like, pretty true. But it, it's, like, broader than just that. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like ahimsa. It's, like, yeah. the, this principle mm-hmm. of, like, non-harming. Totally. In any choice that I make in my life, am, is it, am I moving closer to, am I on the path of non-harm or am I on the path totally. of harm? And, like, karma, you know, all that stuff. And I think it's also just, like, any of the best, like, influences mm-hmm. is, like, attraction rather than promotion. That's right. And I think just some kid was wearing his T-shirt mm-hmm. at some concert, and that made a difference. Yeah. So just being who you are and being, like, uh, not necessarily even, like, loud, loud and proud about it, but just, like, talking about it yeah. um, can be influencing to people. And, I, I mean, I've seen that in the people in my life for sure who, you know, tell me about eating less meat or tell me mm-hmm. about... Like yesterday, I bought someone lunch, and they made a $10 donation to a charity. Mm-hmm. And just just to like pay mm-hmm. it forward, be kind. And the more that we can be doing that kind of stuff, the better, I think. And the mm-hmm. more that we can just be connected to our environment and what we're eating and the people that we live around mm-hmm. and the, the community as a whole, the better. I mean, we started a garden at Spera a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And there were, we were growing, and I can't even remember what we were growing, but it was, like, lettuce. It was, like, something so simple, like lettuce. Mm-hmm. And I said, the lettuce is, like, ready. Sure. And I was so excited about it, and I'm like, let's go cut some lettuce, or, like, harvest some lettuce, and, like, bring it in, and we'll use it for lunch today. And someone just looked at me so blankly, like, I don't know how to, how to harvest lettuce. And I, like people didn't know how do I yeah there was a broccoli growing like how what do I do just do I just break it off yeah and it, it just made me think about like these are foods that are familiar to you yeah and it's familiar to so many of us but how they actually grow like where they actually right. come from is so foreign and the more that we can I don't know kind of bridge that gap a yeah. little bit and like really re- like recognize what am I doing and how is that impacting the world around me yeah that can be um that can be really powerful and super grounding yeah i think
2: um w- a- and in this conversation it's important to think about and i don't know the answers to this but the fact that we are like middle class white people in ann arbor michigan sure. who can walk to work right and right yeah stop at the co-op on totally. our way and like um and yeah, and I don't know how much that sort of informs how I yeah. behave or what my values are, but I also am aware that um, that the, that the, the privileges I have are not privileges that everybody totally. shares, and that, um, and that that impacts other people's choices sure. mm-hmm. and, and out of necessity, yeah. so absolutely you know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I don't know where
2: that goes, but Totally. It's important to recognize.
0: Well, and I think that one of the things that we're doing now is bringing this information to people. I mean, I don't know how many people listen to this podcast. I appreciate all of y'all who do. And at the same time, this is good information because someone may think that it's not possible. And then they find out that it is, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, just taking a deeper look. It's just like we were over here one time and like I look forward to hanging out with y'all definitely intentionally once a month. Right. And that tends to be a day that I'm vegan (laughs) (laughs) for the day. Right. (laughs) Um, And we talked last time, like several months, maybe a couple months ago about privilege because y'all went to the Women's March Mm -hmm. in D.C., you know. And just the awareness, I feel, is incredibly important. Yeah. Like, even for, on March 8th, right, was International Women's Day, and some people strike, like, went on strike or didn't go to right. work. That's a privilege right. to be able to right. say, I'm not going to work. Yeah. Not everyone has that. Yeah. I would say a lot of people don't have that opportunity to just not go to work right. um, or just not spend money on that day because maybe they have children and, diaper, they ran out of diaper, like you need diapers for the child or whatever, right? Um, so being aware is the greatest gift that we can give ourselves, right? It's like, okay. And then questioning our motives and questioning our values and doing what we can to realign and keep course correcting because it's always, oh, it, I'm never going to be exactly where I am right in this moment. And then I'm never going to be exactly where I think I would like to be. Because even the thought of where I think I am I would like to be is not always totally. where I ought to be, you know. I, I do my best to not try or should and just kind of be. And at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I'm breathing and I'm human. So, like, it's not going to be <laughs> perfect, but I'll do my best, you know, and be willing to say I'm often wrong and this was not... <laughs> Maybe how I said this, I could have I could have worded it a little differently. We were talking before about something that I won't get into, friends. But we were talking about, you know, kind of how we present ourselves and, like, the words that we use and um, doing our best to be kind and tolerant in all situations, even though it doesn't always look like that. Were you going to say something? I mean, it just – you brought up uh,
1: meetings together, and it just – I I mean, I'm happy to – talk about bonfire a little bit sure. so right after the election we um, decided to just host like sort of an impromptu bonfire that Sunday and just collected people to kind of talk and process a little bit about what had happened see thoughts about it and or just sit silently if you want to or color or play a game or play cards or swear or whatever you wanted to do is totally fine everything is welcome And so we decided to have that be something that happens once a month. So we get together once a month, anyone who wants to come over and just kind of talk. And part of what I hope that that creates is like space for people to talk honestly about what's going on and to like get called out and call each other out in a way that feels like, like kind, like in a, a, um, in a space of friendship really, because I can be, um, I can be closed off. I can be self-righteous. I can be overly certain. I can be lots of different things. Sure. And so I need people. And so what I hope is like people, and what I try to cultivate is like people feel comfortable saying like, you are not, that was not alright what you said, or you were so self-righteous in this moment, or you need to like take a, take a second and think more about this, or like let's talk about privilege or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And I hope, um, and with humor, like yeah. I would like to be i mean, I yeah. like that to be like funny like girl, you better check yourself kind of right thing. totally um but i I hope that that creates space for that and kind of helps us all like be pushing forward and be um paying attention to our own action and our own be- like our own behavior when we're trying to um push forward with like yeah. activism or with social justice or with whatever we're working on totally yeah
0: I,
2: uh, I don't, this sort of a little bit but i was thinking about like um identity is Mm we been talking a lot about identity and i grew up in this house where my parents were activists in the 60s and it was and social justice has been a huge Mm -hmm. important like the most important value in my family is social justice and um and i also have been homeless and i've been in prison and i've been i've had all these experiences and I'm a white middle class guy, and um, one of the things for me is um, one of the things that I know as a white middle class guy, and I think the the class thing is important. Is that yeah. I um, probably know have been forced to learn less about what it's like to be another person than anybody else walking around in sure. this country, right? And so. Um, Anna talked a little bit about having the humility or being over certain, and I think um for me a big part of the, like what I what I try to remember is that um, that I'm might be wrong I like being open to having my mind change sure. is incredibly important and um, and learning from uh, trusting uh, other people that when they say that they're experiencing something they're even exactly. If I can't see it, that's
0: right.
2: It's real. That's you right. You know, and probably the fact that I can't see it is just a sort of a um, a byproduct of the fact that I haven't had to see I don't have to look right. that way. You know, and um, and so like um, how do you be a white guy and, and help other people mm-hmm. gain the same kind of privileges that you have?
0: Totally
2: I don't know the answer.
0: Well, I feel like you're doing it and there's room to grow because there's always going to be room to grow. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that I interview certain people, like I interview people because they're interesting to me and I love hearing what people, like how they're living and what's important to them and... And then I also am pleased when I run across people who utilize privilege in a in a way in which privilege is enjoyed. So meaning they recognize they have white privilege or white male privilege, and they utilize that so that it can benefit others. You know, um, even as we navigate because this is life is messy like Mm -hmm. and this whole thing all of it is really addiction is messy like obvi right and like activism same thing this political landscape same thing and all of the isms so racism sexism you mentioned something um about your experience Matt at um in dc at the march of like how your eyes were opened to just a sliver of what someone else experiences, right? And I'll have you share that story and then we'll probably have to wrap up. But as long as we are open and not doing things to deliberately add to the pain of someone else, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean necessarily minding someone's plate. That's not what we're talking about, friends. What I am talking about, though, are the bigger things And that could be part of it, because even in this conversation, hearing why you all chose to, or veganism chose you, one of the two, right, Um, is really interesting to me. And that's not exactly what I'm talking about, but I mean deliberately shutting, like what you were talking about, Matt, shutting someone down. I mean, people have said to me, well, that's not what, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, white male. (laughs) So now you know what it's like to be a black female. Okay. Okay tell me you know i'll wait you know and it's just like being mindful of like how we're saying things and i mean i i learned the hard way about something like because and we're gonna be wrong like that's the thing and no one has the market cornered on any of this although i would say marginalized communities have it more cornered in so far as that is their experience and this is what we're you know oftentimes um speaking of And so um, I remember there was a situation and I had posted something because I started a social justice book club and a friend took offense to it. And all I said was, Jimmy Kimmel needs to grow as a human because I think he's an ass. I think he is not the best at all. And I tweeted him directly and spelled his name incorrectly on purpose because I was like, oh, so you have a problem with non-American names. Let me get yours wrong. Right. And my friend took it to mean something that i did not post you know and it turned into this thing and it was really hurtful on my part um and we still have yet to talk about it so hopefully we'll go before this goes live but um i didn't even think i was going to talk about this but it was it's important you know and i felt like my own experience you know we've talked about microaggression, like people talk about microaggressions and like blatant stuff and then uh, covert stuff. And it's like, just because you're not, to your point, just because you're not seeing it or experiencing it does not mean it's not happening, you know? And we need to, as a people, get away from that. Like, I need to trust you because I trust you. And your character has not demonstrated that you're untrustworthy, right? So if you tell me something's happening... Even if you frame it as shirima, am I being overly sensitive? I will be honest with you, you know? But if you say that something is happening that I don't see or I'm not experiencing myself, some of it I just have to believe you. And it's like with sexual assault and domestic violence, Washtenaw County started a campaign and it was like, start by believing. To say that we have to even start, say that is really effed up when you think about it. Like, oh, now we have to start by believing The survivor or victim that they said that they were sexually assaulted or they uh, are the, you know, um, have been violated in terms of domestic violence. I'm glad we have the campaign, right? But like, it's not lost (laughs) on me that the campaign had to be born. It's just like Black Lives Matter, you know? If Black Lives Mattered, we wouldn't be talking about this. And it doesn't mean only Black Lives Matter, it just means Black Lives Matter because the society has demonstrated that it really doesn't. Right. So, anyway, um, I I probably need to step off of my sofa. <laughs> yeah. so I got really excited there for a second. Um, do you mind telling us about... No, I don't mind. I, DC?
2: So, um, I've had a couple experiences in my life that were super eye-opening. And and one of them... Uh, do you mind if I tell two real no, quick? No, totally. One of them when I was, at, I was in prison. I went to prison when I was 18. And I was sent... Um, to this prison up in the UP for a couple of years, which is like way out in the middle of nowhere, Michigan. And basically eighty percent of the people who I was locked up with were white or I mean were black and all of the guards were white, mostly males. And um and I was a little runt, like hippie kid who was kinda lost and um and I got messed with a decent amount and one of the things I learned there was that because I was white and the guards were white, I could get certain things <laughs> that other people couldn't get, and I could even figure out how to get people like sent away to other prisons because I was using the color of my skin mm-hmm. and um, and I did that there, you know, because um someone would mess with me basically i'd get a couple other white guys to make up a story about them and then they would be gone you know and so um that was one thing in hindsight i learned a lot about sort of race and privilege and that from that but then we were at the women's march and we were marching um the day before the women's march we were at the uh marching around at the inauguration we didn't go to the inauguration and Anna and I there were a couple different marches going on and we marched off with one march that um ended up being kind of weird we were laying around in the street playing dead and then we just decided to kind of walk away from it we we had our signs and our signs were not highly offensive um and then we ended up sort of in this crowd of people, were you going to add something? I just want to
1: say my heart had a sign on or my sign had, had a, a heart, heart on it. On it. My <laughs> sign was the opposite of
2: offensive. <laughs> we ended up in this crowd of people who were leaving the inauguration, and then we ended up um, sort of, I felt like we were getting pelted with insults, like, get over it, he's your president now, like, deal with it kind of stuff.
1: Those were nice ones
2: and it was getting more it was <laughs> escalating more and more and um, and then I started my, I started getting angry, really angry, and um, yelling back at some of the people, which I don't really do totally. It's not me and um to the point where I was like you know telling people to f off at one point, point. and then I realized like we gotta get out of here let's go get a smoothie and do my circle you know <laughs> and I'm walking away and I was like. Escalated. I almost felt like tearful and angry and and I had this realization that like how I felt in the middle of all of these people who were sort of leveling these things at me is probably how a lot of my friends of color feel on a regular basis mm-hmm. you know walking down the street even in a place like Ann Arbor sure where people are just looking at them funny or sort of like, uh, you know, giving them, you know, giving them the finger in a offhanded kind of way. Sure. Or, you know, and and I was like, man, if I had to deal with that every day, like some people I know have to deal with that every day, I would, I would be in prison for killing somebody. Like, I would not be able to deal with that. I yeah. wouldn't. I haven't been, and then I, and then it start, I started going, wow, like, people have had to, like, really sort of grow up in this culture in a way that, it, where they're, they have to sort of have calluses on their, mm-hmm. on themselves in order to be able to handle yeah. it, you know, and I um, haven't had to do that, totally. I haven't had to, even though I did have some different experiences when I was younger. Sure. Um, it was nothing like what a lot of people probably have to go through every day for their whole, from the time they are born.
0: Yeah. No, it's true. Thank you for sharing that because I had a friend, or I, they're still my friend, but, um, they had said something like, oh, well, I just don't want to deal with that. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, imagine the people who have to deal with it." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it always gives us a new perspective and uh an opportunity to kind of turn inwards before we turn back outwards Mm -hmm. it's like that silence and solitude and stepping back and then reconnecting again so important so i love you both and i'm so glad that we were able to make this happen so thanks for we love you too thank you thank you for coming on Mm -hmm. all right so I'm going to read a couple stories. This one's a really funny one this. It's short and sweet. Um so it looks to be an elderly couple and I think she's saying this. Well, it seems like it. She said he won the best legs competition on our cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> and then it looks like it's a girl, um like a young girl young woman, I should say. Uh So it starts with, as a dancer, I've always wanted to be an individual and do what comes natural. I've worked really hard every day to find out what works for me and to figure out how to present my strengths. But in the end, there's a certain aesthetic, size, and structure that they want, and you're constantly berated by critiques until you fit that mold. It's hard to not feel like a product. And then she continues, I found a mentor once. He was in his 30s and had a career that I very much admired. I thought if I listened to him, I could be successful, too. He told me that everything I did was wrong, the way I stood, the way I moved, what I wore, even the way I warmed up. I did everything he said. Every time I was on stage, I could hear him chattering in my head, and I felt like I had lost my own voice. It was like all the work I had done in my personal search had been invalidated. And then two other ones. So there is a person. You can't tell who they are but it says my father just isn't nice he's always saying you're not good enough even when i do good on something it's always why didn't you do better and he hits us my sister got the worst, gets the worst of it she actually called acs on him on his birthday did that get him to stop it got him to stop the physical abuse and then a father and their child uh, i see how much i love him and i imagine that my dad loved me like that one day and it makes me wish i'd been a better son So that's kind of sweet. All right. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there's only one of us. Thanks so much for the love and support, friends. My name is Shadima. This is the Type A Hippie podcast, GCAS episode 40. Thanks so much for being who you are and being who you are to me. I hope to hear from you very soon. Namaste.